I'm Eric Priante Martin, and this is Green Seas, a podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. Through the magic of the internet, we're in London, the headquarters of the International Maritime Organization. Our excellencies, distinguished delegates. This is the audio of an IMO recording of a meeting, as I'm physically on the other side of the Atlantic. Welcome to the 79th session of the committee. The IMO's Marine Environment Protection Committee has been meeting all week, in part to discuss the biggest item on the UN body's agenda shipping's greenhouse gas emissions. And in these gatherings, some progress has been made. As we've reported in Tradewinds, most countries have shown a willingness to adopt a goal of bringing shipping's emissions to zero, and a few more would sign on to net zero. There was also growing acceptance of an interim decarbonization target in 2030, and to charge a global levy per ton of greenhouse gas pollution, alongside fuel standards that would ratchet down carbon emissions and delegations are increasingly acknowledging the need to address the equitable transition concerns of developing countries. But it's what didn't happen that led to this reaction from Al Benishoda, a diplomat representing the Marshall Islands. As with all the officials we'll hear from in this episode, this is an IMO recording of the committee meeting. We're not going to be obstructive this morning or this afternoon, Chair. We are going to continue to progress with the progress the work moving forward, uh, but wish to register our disappointment that once again we have kicked the can down the line. The urgency of the issue is at hand. Why is the Marshall Islands so disappointed? The island nation has one of the world's biggest ship registries, meaning a big chunk of the industry are its customers. But it is also on the front lines of the effects of greenhouse gas emissions. It's not just because of the threat of rising sea levels in a country whose highest point is just 10 meters above the water. It's also ocean acidification caused by carbon dioxide emissions that's wreaking havoc on coral reefs in the Pacific. So the Marshall Islands and other Pacific nations have been calling for the IMO to adopt a resolution at this week's committee meeting, committing to a goal of zero greenhouse gas emissions for global shipping by 2050. As it became clear that that was not going to happen, Ishoda told the IMO that the Marshall Islands has been raising the need for urgency since 2015, and the nation was unhappy from the start with the UN agency's current global targets, which aim for a 50% cut by the middle of this century. So, once again we go home disappointed that we weren't able to convince this room that this is an important issue for the world. But if the delegations of most nations that have spoken at the IMO are on board with that zero-carbon goal, why can't the UN shipping regulator approve it now? After all, as another Marshall Islands official said, in the climate emergency, time is not our friend. A decision taking a more ambitious approach is planned for July. After all, the IMO is driven by consensus, and consensus just isn't there yet. A tally by environmental groups found that there are still 10 nations opposed to either a zero emissions goal or a net zero target. So what's holding them back? Some developing nations have been calling for what they call an equitable transition, a path to decarbonizing shipping that makes sure that their economies aren't hurt by, for example, putting a price on carbon emissions. At this week's meeting, a delegate from Argentina 
raise concerns about the economic impact of a carbon levy. The official, whose name was not given, was speaking through a translator in an IMO recording of the committee meeting. That is not an equitable measure because the potential is great that the greatest cost of the uh, freight would be borne or transferred to the primary producer, including the small and medium countries or the consumer. And this would have a negative impact on exporting developing countries or importing developing countries, which are a long way from their markets. A delegate for Brazil, also speaking through a translator, warned of problems with adopting a stronger ambition without having agreed the measures to get there. A seemingly ambitious goal without a clear pathway towards it may indeed send the wrong signals to the private sector and other relevant stakeholders who may try to anticipate future measures, thereby producing distortions, negative effects, and maybe even distancing the shipping sector from the goal established. The IMO is also planning to carry out impact assessments of the carbon pricing measures and fuel standards under consideration. And some developing nations believe figuring out the terms of that effort should come first. Here's a delegate from South Africa speaking before the IMO. We agree that the basket of candidate measures should be assessed before they are adopted and any disproportionate impact on developing states be addressed in a fair, just and equitable manner that guarantees that no one is left behind in its true sense. India has urged the IMO committee to avoid setting a target for 2050, but instead to focus on progressive goals based on what's achievable. A delegate at the committee meeting acknowledged that the country is vulnerable to climate change. But he said even the best engineers are not sure what technology ships will be able to use 10 years down the road. When the industry is going through such a disruptive stage, it is the responsibility of this organization particularly this committee, to provide them with regulations that could stand tests of the time and develop policy framework that could facilitate a stable, predictable, and competitive business environment. While the chorus calling for a zero emissions goal in 2050 is growing, the concerns of these nations will have to be addressed before true consensus is reached. Here's more news on the environment and the business of the ocean. Tradewinds Editor-in-Chief Julian Bray has written about new reporting by the Poseidon Principles, a banking initiative that benchmarks ship finance portfolios, for the moment, to the IMO's current target calling for a 50% reduction in carbon emissions by 2050. Of the 28 banks in the annual report, only seven were on track in 2021 with that target. And that number is lower than the previous year. But Poseidon Principles Chairman Michael Parker is not discouraged, explaining that the initiative is a multi-year journey. Read the story at tradewindsnews.com. Our sister publication, Intrafish, has reported on a court ruling in the U.S. that places an import ban on nine species of New Zealand fish because of concerns over the impact on a species of dolphin. The case was launched by Sea Shepherd, an environmental group that argued that while New Zealand regulations protect the Maui dolphins, the country's rules are not as stringent as those in the U.S. The ball now goes to the U.S. government, which must provide evidence that New Zealand's rules are sufficiently strong. Read the story at intrafish.com. And Recharge reports that an Israeli company has plans to build the world's largest ever wave power plant in Turkish waters. EcoWave Power's plant will produce 77 megawatts of clean electricity using only the movement of the Black Sea's waters at the port of Ordu. 
Green Seas is also a newsletter. Visit tinyurl.com slash greenseas4 to get it delivered to your inbox or to subscribe to the podcast. Music for this episode is by Penguin Music from Pixabay.